One, two, three, four. For everyone's safety, Vermont requires a seven-day home quarantine with a negative COVID-19 test or 14 days with no test to visit this winter. 13, 14. 15, 16, 17. We're also 18, recommending you take the time 18, to do some extra squats, 20, lunges, 20, wall sits, 20, or high knees. 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. With reduced lift and lodge capacity, you're going to have a lot more time to spend on the slopes. So take the time to get your legs ready. 38, 39, 40. <sighs> Vermont in winter. It's worth the wait. One. Two, three. This winter, four, plan your trip. Five, Don't trip up your plans. Talk to your favorite inn or resort about smart travel suggestions and reservation policies. For full COVID-19 travel guidance, visit vermontvacation.com. It's race win number 91 for Lewis Hamilton. He has equaled the great Michael Schumacher and he seems to be on his way to clinch his seventh world championship. What a race this was at the Eiffel Grand Prix. Welcome to Pitch the Podium. It's time for our usual post-race debrief. And there are quite a few talking points to speak about. When I'm joined here by Kunal Cha with me, who is a maestro in Formula 1, essentially. A promising racing driver in the past, marketing manager for Force India, now working at Viasat Network. And here's one man who knows exactly what he's doing. And Kunal, so much happening here in Germany. Quite a few talking points, but not really the best of races, let's call it that way. You know, frankly, uh, we've been split in the studio here as well. Uh, okay. Whether it was an interesting race uh, or not. And uh, I just realized I didn't greet you as well as you greeted me and everyone else on the show. Uh-huh. So hi to you again, Somil. But, you know, back to rating the race, I, I pretty much loved it because, you know, there were parts uh, in the race where we were all sitting in anticipation, waiting on the edge that something or the other is going to happen which is pretty normal for Formula 1 rather than literally sitting back and knowing nothing's going to happen. Mm. You know, so I would, I would say that anticipation was pretty high. I think the midfield battles were fantastic. You know, a uh, couple of battles on the opening lap were also really good. So in all, it wasn't entirely boring a race, I would say. At least that's, that's my view. Yeah, there were, there were quite a few talking points, quite a few things happening. Uh, of course, we expected Nürburgring as a circuit to deliver much more in terms of wheel-to-wheel racing, but there was a bit of that which we shall come to. But Kunal, if you had to pick your pits to podium moment, and there were quite a few contenders for that, which one would it be? For, for me personally, I think it just has to be Bottas's retirement because that was instrumental to the way the race panned out towards the end. Well, what, what, what about you? I mean, uh, my pits to podium moment definitely has to be uh, Nico Hulkenberg and racing point overall, I would say. You know, Hulkenberg getting in only on Q1, you know, getting just being just four tenths away from Q2, less than a second, uh, you know, away from Perez, uh, finishing in the points ahead of uh, Kimi Raikkonen and, uh, you know, Sebastian Vettel. I think he's he's having a brilliant season as a super sub and maybe that's what he should just be in you know in his career because his his spikes are now far more evident when he's a substitute rather than when he was a Renault racer. 
Exactly. And interesting enough, I've just got the stat sheet right here with me. And Nico Hulkenberg, as it stands, has scored a total of 10 points, which is only seven behind Sebastian Vettel, although he's only raced in two races. Make of that what you will, folks. <laughs> That's the case with Nico Hulkenberg right now, just coming in, stepping up and delivering all the time. I think he started, what, P number 20, and the kind of comeback that he has made was absolutely brilliant. And that's why we love Nico Hulkenberg. And funnily enough, Kunal, even Sergio Perez, who had a super, super good race today, along with Nico Hulkenberg, does not have a drive for 2021. And that's something that just is very bizarre to me. I, I can't make sense of it. And yes, we have, by this point, digested the fact that Sebastian Vettel has made his way into racing point and Lance Stroll will keep that second seat. But it still stings you every single weekend when these guys just come up and put performances like this one. Yeah, especially considering that, you know, Racing Point is the only team to have scored double points, uh, yeah. you know, at, uh, at Nürburgring. And the fact that both the drivers who raced for them and scored these points are up for grabs for 2021. Yeah. And that teams are still taking their time in picking them up, you know. So lots of surprise points when it comes to, you know, Racing Point this weekend and, you know, their two drivers uh, for 2021. Exactly. Lance Stroll also not competing. So that's the reason why Nico Hülkenberg was drafted in. But let's actually keep the midfield battle aside for a couple of moments because there is something much, much bigger to speak about at the very top. And I think let's start with the positives. I think let's begin by saying a big, big congratulations to Lewis Hamilton, who's equaled the record of Michael Schumacher. Now, drink it in. 91 Formula One victories. That is a lot. In fact, that's more victories than quite a few world champions have started races as a whole. And uh, yes, you can say on one point, Formula One has had, a quite, has had a big, big calendar for many, many years now. Lewis Hamilton being in the best car has benefited from all that. But still, winning 91 Grand Prix is something outrageous. And full credit to Lewis Hamilton for that. The way he's handled it, the way he's managed it, top-notch. I think he's well and truly a modern legend now. And he's on his way to a seventh World Championship canal. And a big factor for that would be that Bottas has had a DNF here. I think, you know, Lewis has shown us uh, how, how you were able to elevate yourself even uh, with every passing season. And, you know, as a driver, as a talent, as a personality, we keep saying how he's in the best car and so on. But, you know, consistently he's uh, been able to show that despite being in the best car, he's still the best driver out there. And, you know, I think as of this moment, he also leads the World Constructors Championship after the 2020 Eiffel yeah. Grand Prix. And, and you know, bits and pieces about Lewis's, uh, Lewis's uh, talent were also, you know, on display for his 91st win. So his opening lap uh, aggression and, you know, almost taking the lead from, uh, you know, Valtteri Bottas. And most impressively was, you know, him at the restart. You know, people were expecting, you know, Max Verstappen to pounce onto him and, you know, do something outrageous, uh, outrageously fun and, out, you know, probably grab the lead. But Lewis was like, yeah. you know, a couple of uh, car, ten, uh, car lengths ahead than uh, what uh, even Max would have liked uh, for himself. So all in all, fantastic 91 races uh, and wins, I would say, for Lewis. And I'm pretty sure, you know, he's going to add at least another... 20 more. I mean, (laughs) maybe we can can place a bet. When Lewis Hamilton hangs up his helmet, how many race wins do you think he's going to have to his name? That's a good question. Right. So, uh, I'm going to be thinking out loud for this one. 2021, I think, is already in the bag, even before the year has begun. 
I, I, you call, you may call me a bit too pessimistic about Red Bull and Bottas's chances, but I think Hamilton at this stage is just untouchable. So that's 2022. We're going to have around 20 odd races. So even if Lewis wins around 11, and I think I'm, I'm going for 125. I think I'm going to go for 125 or 120 or something there, thereabout. What, what about you, Kunal? I was going to say 120 as well, you know. So we we have 29 races (laughs) at least where we're going to see Lewis Hamilton stand on the top of the podium. And, uh, you know, there are lots of people thinking he's dominating, he's boring and the the sport is suffering and all. But the truth uh, being that it's best to embrace what he's able to do Hmm. against different talents against different challengers. He's at Rosberg, he's at, he's at Vettel, he's at Verstappen, he's at Leclerc. Of course, I'm only talking in, you know, in the recent era that's there. Uh, but, you know, he's been able to rise up to the challenge and consistently sort of, uh, you know, perform better than most of his rivals to get to where he is today. So it's hats off to Lewis Hamilton or helmets off to Lewis Hamilton. Indeed, what a performance. And the most heartwarming thing from that was Mick Schumacher coming in and presenting Lewis Hamilton. The ra- I think, was it a race one crash helmet? Whatever. Michael Schumacher's helmet from his time at Mercedes. And that was something so special. I just saw that moment and felt, wow, man, this, this is why you watch sports in the very first place. And Mick could be here fighting Lewis next year in Formula 1 too. So just adds a little bit of spice to all that thing. But yeah, very good performance by Lewis. But I have to say I am gutted for Valtteri Bottas. I don't think it was any fault of his own. Uh, of course, you can't fault Valtteri Bottas for a part breaking on his car, can you? And just him losing power at the wrong time. I mean, there was a feeling that Valtteri Bottas, although he lost the lead through that lockup at turn number one, he could have come back stronger because he just seemed to have that X factor with Lewis here this weekend, but didn't work out eventually. And from the looks of things, it's just blown away. Every single week we come here on the Pitch to Podium show and we always discuss the same thing. Championships heading towards Lewis Hamilton now, now more than ever, in fact. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a rare mistake from Valtteri Bottas, I would say. I mean, usually his mistakes have been at the start of the race, you know, to be very frank, but a rare mistake while he's been leading, especially so comprehensively. I loved how, you know, he sort of struck back and took the lead away from Lewis Hamilton. Uh, I don't know if his breaking error had anything to was sort of triggered by the power unit issues he faced or not again it's just a a question i'm asking we will know in the couple of days to come but truth be told yes uh, you know he he lost it all by himself at least uh, from what we saw into turn one seemed like a simple you know very outbreak himself uh, sort of an error and uh, you know lewis being lewis was just waiting and that's what he was piling the pressure onto valtry for so Unfortunate, you know, I think the, the, the gap is going to be insurmountable. Now it's going to be a question of how soon before Lewis Hamilton can sort of wrap up the, the 2020 Formula One World Championship. He's already got a gap of around 70-odd points to Valtteri Bottas at this stage, and we still have more races to come. And I think it's just going to be a proper Lewis Hamilton steamroll show. And I know that's not good for the competition. I know it just makes the sport a lot more predictable. But again, you don't fault Sir Alex Ferguson for dominating, right? He's just doing his job. Lewis Hamilton, just like them, is doing his job. And he is proving time and again why he is so good. But there is also another person, another driver, who came in and showed why he was rated so highly. Formula One's forgotten A-lister, that's what I like to call him. Daniel Ricciardo getting a podium with Renault. And it must be so sweet for him because he's been trying so hard with this team 
it's just not happening. They didn't really have the pace last year. This year, things seem to be better. Of course, he's leaving for McLaren next year, but leaving with that one podium trophy might just be so satisfying, wouldn't it? Absolutely. It's uh, great to see Renault's uh, uh, podium in, you know, after their, I think, umpteenth return to Formula 1, we scored finally, you know, given all the more the jokes around Cyril Abitabol yeah. and the tattoo that's now going to come. And, uh, you know, given that uh, there were so many top drivers retiring, so Alexander Albon had his own, you know, issues in the race, while Tribotas had his issue. We saw Lando Norris, Esteban Ocon. So, uh, you know, lots of regulars having uh, issues. And that sort of, you know, made an early assessment that we could have a surprise podium finisher. And who better than, you know, Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. Uh, although I'm, I'm, I'm a bit uh, disappointed he didn't do the shoey when he sort of uh, should have done it the most. Okay. But the, the second point also being, and I know we will talk about it later, was, you know, with so many drivers retiring, we would have seen surprise uh, point scoring uh, for a couple of drivers, which we which we saw, uh, you know, in this race as well. So, in all, uh, fantastic to see Daniel Ricciardo there, you know, given um, how uh, he sort of left Red Bull to try and pursue something else elsewhere. Uh, you know, this sort of shows that his talent is still intact, even more so given the, the craze that F1 teams right now have to keep signing younger drivers time and again. Hmm. So, you know, it just shows that in his 30s, he's still, uh, he's still as good or probably even better than some of the youngsters who are doing the rounds uh, around these Formula 1 circuits in these racing cars. I think it reminds me a lot of Fernando Alonso's stint in the late 2000s with Renault when he left McLaren. Of course, a championship-winning team to spend two really, really bad years with the French team. At that stage, Alonso was a two-time Formula 1 world champion. He had nothing to prove. And he goes to a midfield team. And that was, the, I think, the first of two times in his career when he just had to drag a bad team to really good results. And as a driver, that is something that builds you up so much. Must be frustrating. You will get white hair a bit early on in your life, but it's something that really braces you for a really good time. And when Alonso came back to Ferrari, oh, he was a driver unlike anyone else. I expect something similar with Danny Ricciardo. I expect something similar with Charles Leclerc as well when Ferrari comes back to form. So it should be fun. There's lots of things to look out for, but indeed, it's really satisfying to get that one big podium after spending two years not really getting anything at all and just filling up your bank account, let's call it that way. But Ricardo yeah, aside, yeah. Uh, Ricardo aside also, Kunal, uh, our, our prediction was slightly misjudged. We said that Racing Point will be the best of the rest, but nevertheless, double points for them. Sergio Perez finishing in P number four, Nico Hulkenberg coming home to score points after starting 20th. Not bad. I think Racing Point, uh, phenomenal uh, race out there. You know, uh, double points, the only team to have scored that, that too with super sub, Nico Hulkenberg, like we spoke about. Uh, you know, Perez was a little bummed that uh, the late race safety car sort of cost yeah. him. Uh, at least he believes it cost him the podium, uh, you know, a chance of the podium. He sort of kept uh, the old tyres going while everyone else pitted. So it was supposed to be a classic, uh, you know, Sergio Perez tyre management call that uh, that they would have made. But that sort of makes me question, you know, about the, the late race safety car. Firstly, uh, you know, Norris did a good job of parking it right on the outside where, you know, he mm. wouldn't disrupt the proceedings. So maybe could Formula 1 have done with a virtual safety car? Again, it's just a question. It's not a suggestion. You know, the FIA knows safety far better than 
pretty much all of us do who don't work for the FIA. The other question which I had, which I'm going to do a bit of digging on is, Mm -hmm. um, was the safety car actually a little slower than usual? Because you saw Hamilton, you saw Rich Stappen and, you know, these drivers were on the radio saying, okay, they need to go, uh, the, the safety car needs to go faster. So I don't know why the safety car was slow, so to say. Was it slower than it usually is at the other races? Or, you know, who dictates the, the, the eventual pace of the safety car? As in, apart from it just uh, being burned, Maylander, is, is he sort of given a target time to go and follow? One doesn't know. I'm going to go and do a bit of digging. But uh, I, I, I do feel maybe the safety car could have come in a little, you know, a couple of laps earlier. Maybe yeah. we have got more laps to go racing. But, you know, all in all, I think we, we're all celebrating a, a Ricardo result or Ricardo being on the podium is a more celebratory result, I would say. Even more so given that, you know, Renault haven't had the best performing package in, you know, medium to high downforce uh, configuration circuits. And that's, uh, that's the step forward that they've been wanting to take since a couple of seasons. I think let's scratch the surface a bit deeper on. That's a very good point that you mentioned about the safety car. And Lewis Hamilton was vocal about it. He said lots of things on the team radio. He said they should be going faster. It's not correct. It's not safe enough. And he may have just got a point there because, of course, you want your tires to be warm. Soft compound tires, we know, they take just a little bit a little bit less, of course, to warm them up because they're softer rubber. You can get them to work a bit early on. But nevertheless, you're racing at really high speeds. Nürburgring was cold. And it was properly cold out there. We may not have had the clouds and the rain and all that, but it was still pretty, pretty chilly. So does he have a point with the safety thing, Kunal? Did, was he correct on that? And I think with the FIA, there was just a bit of a compromise that they had to make, right? Do we go with the competitive side of things or do we go for the more spectacle side of things? I mean, it just takes my mind back to the USA where you have competition cautions in NASCAR races just to bunch people up. Now, this wasn't a pre-planned caution. Obviously, there was an incident that led to that. But perhaps I just felt that the FIA needed something to spice this race up. And no, if the FIA does not dictate races. I may sound like, a, like an absolute idiot for saying this, but you just, have to go, you just have to think of the spectacle at times. You do, but I, I personally don't think the FIA necessarily of thought of a spectacle, like you said. You know, I think it was just one of those safety calls. And, you know, when it comes to safety, it's better to work on the side of caution. And maybe that's why they realized that, okay, instead of 11 laps uh, under the green flag towards the end, it's going to be 10 laps towards the clean flags at the end. So, you know, uh, good questions to keep asking, but we'll never sort of get to getting the, the true answer out there. But, you know, like we keep doing, uh, we will keep asking the questions with the hope that, you know, <laughs> at some point uh, we, 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 we are all able to find out what the truth behind these uh, so-called interesting calls were. Absolutely. I'll tell you another thing that was really true. Roman Grosjean scored points today. Roman Grosjean, after being hit by gravel on his finger by the, in the opening lap by Kimi Raikkonen, who we shall come to later on, he fought, he fought and fought all the way through the race and finished up in P number nine. I think the first time that Haas has scored points this year. So that's a big, big result for him. And I think that just makes it nine out of ten teams scoring points this weekend, Gunal. Yes, nine out of team scoring points, which is phenomenal. Uh, actually, Haas's second scoring uh, point. Oh, whereas yes. I think you meant Grosjean's first point Grosjean's for the first, season. Yeah. My apologies. Yes, and uh, this means that the two Williams drivers are the only ones to have not scored points hmm. uh, up until now. 
in the season and uh, it'll be good to see if they are able to sort of sneak into the points at some some point but uh, you know Grosjean did a medium hard strategy i believe he didn't pit under the safety car that came out and that sort of gave him track position and then he held his ground against uh, uh, you know Giovinazzi at that point and and he just made the most of the track position that that he had but uh, it's good to see him in the points given all the criticism and the the trolling that you know usually follows him i would mm-hmm. say uh, you know Giovinazzi as well i think he did a soft medium medium uh, stint and and that that uh, in itself is great to see him score points especially when you know he's always under fire with uh, yeah. talks that you know Kimi might uh, stay on and then Mick might just take his seat and uh, talking about Kimi Raikkonen 323 oh. races but not the best of races or the cleanest of races for him where do we begin so i think let's start with the opening lap <laughs> as we shall <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen going slightly wide spraying up some gravel and Roman Grosjean saying oh my finger because that gravel just really hit him on hard in the hand who knows what the damage is like of course they'll be going in and doing their extensive research about that now then Kimi Raikkonen uh, I think the most subtle way of saying that would be did a China 2019 with George Russell just missed his braking had to brake a bit late Snap oversteer, and the next thing you know, George Russell has flipped over. Not completely, of course. This car went slightly wide and came back <laughs> down to earth and came crashing down to earth, that is. So Russell had to retire because of that as well. And then Kimi Raikkonen got the penalty, but crazy day. Crazy day for Kimi. Yeah. And not the best way to celebrate a big milestone, let's call it that way. Yeah, I mean, you know, frankly, not the best way to even remember the legend of Kimi Raikkonen, I'd say. And and maybe George Russell could have scored a point. Who knows? I mean, you know, if Groshaw and Giovinazzi could get in, you know, maybe Williams would be kicking themselves, uh, hoping that had the incident not happened, maybe George Russell could have scored points. But uh, there was one driver who actually had an even worse race than Kimi Raikkonen, and I think that was Alexander Albin. Uh, You know, I I made a note of everything that he did that was uh, sort of uh, not so good, not so Albin-like or Red Bull-like. I think he had a bad start, and he he clipped uh, Daniel Ricciardo. Then. yeah, he he was uh, he he had some really hard fights with the Alpha Tauri drivers, yep. and you know his radio message was a little too enduring. <laughs> you know they always fight me so hard, you know. And then he had issues with Kvyat, and he had issues with Gasly as well while they were fighting. And then he eventually retired from the race. It was a very strange retirement, and I think he's also got two penalty points on his uh, license. So yeah. not so great a race for him, especially given that Pierre Gasly once again. You know, uh, finished uh, P6, and Gasly actually was the only driver to have used all three tire compounds in the race. So he started on the mediums, went to the hards, and then ended it on the softs. The gas mobile is on fire once again. And what do I say about Alex Albon? It just felt, and I know the power unit issue was the official reason why Alex Albon retired, but midway through the race, once he got the penalty, it just feel like, okay, Alex, you, you're done, son. That's your playtime over. Come back into the home. And just just a sad way to end the race for him. Very bizarre for the time, because exactly when the penalty was announced, that is exactly when Albon came in and just put the car back in the garage. But no, the official word is that it's an engine problem. So we believe it. We'll think it's an engine problem. Okay, nevertheless. But no, tough weekend for him. Also making contact with Danny Kifiat. And that's one, uh, that's one observation that my dad made uh, while we were watching the race. It's just that Alex Albon makes moves and he has a lot of intent and I surely agree with that. That's one thing that separates him with Pierre Gasly at Red Bull. But it's almost like Alex Albon 
misses out on knowing where the other car is. And we've seen that a couple of times with Hamilton. We've seen that early on this season as well. We've seen this same thing with Pierre Gasly today as well. Uh, is that just a sense of a lack of awareness? And I know it's very easy saying this sitting in a quiet little apartment, just shooting a video. But no, it just is happening time and again. Alex Albon just on the exit, just losing track of the other car and making contact eventually. I think that's a great observation by your dad. So, you know, it's it's nice to get a perspective. And maybe that's, uh, that's you know, he's a little over-eager just when a move is mm. done because he knows he's constantly needing to prove a point. And, you know, there's a bit of confidence that he needs to keep portraying time and again. So, that's, that's, a, that's a great, uh, you know, uh, observation, I'd say. And, uh, you know, it doesn't look good even more so when, you know, where Stappen is able to keep up with the Mercedeses. And let's remember, there was a point of time before the safety car that Hamilton and Max Verstappen were a minute ahead of P3. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Albin was nowhere near uh, P3 or, uh, you know, further, uh, he, he was actually even further down the road uh, than the minute out there. So, you know, one would understand if, you know, Hamilton and Max were a minute ahead and, you know, Albin was say 20 seconds behind them and then 40 seconds behind were, were the others. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case to be for him. And it always, uh, you know, these, these things, uh, you know, sort of stand out that much more when you see Pierre Gasly, like I said, do, do so good in the Alpha Tauri. Kunal, very briefly, I think let's touch up upon this for a minute or two. Uh, where to next for Red Bull? Because Max Verstappen, as you mentioned, keeping up with Lewis Hamilton and getting the fastest lap in the end as well. So kudos to him for that one. But Alex Albon, as you mentioned, symbolically nowhere to be seen. And that's a perpetual problem now. They've had two candidates in that car. They are backing Alex Albon, but it's just, it just doesn't look right. I think they will just wait out the season and they'll they'll see how it goes, I'd say. I mean, you know, it's one thing for us, all of us to say, hey, Gasly going to Red Bull, big difference. And that's the obvious uh, step forward that, you know, he would uh, prefer in his career uh, getting a f- supposedly faster car. But, uh, you know, you never know if uh, Gasly might just go there and get psyched out again by the fact that it's a Max Verstappen team out there. So lots of variables at play, I would say. And uh, maybe Red Bull have probably realized that, you know, being uh, a little more patient with their drivers could sort of help them extract better. Or they might just finally say, Gasly becomes the number one driver at Alpha Tauri. Max remains number one driver at Red Bull Racing. Anyway, they've, you know, sort of treating yeah. Alpha Tauri as, 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 a, as a sister team uh, instead of a junior team. And then maybe they get the likes of, uh, say, a Perez or, or a Hulkenberg, uh, you know, to partner, uh, you know, Max Verstappen alongside uh, at Red Bull Racing. That would be interesting. That would be really interesting because you need credible yeah. point scorers. And we've seen Perez and Hulkenberg consistently go out there and deliver. Hulkenberg, in fact, in a car that he does not even know so well. So that's something rather extraordinary. It remains to be seen what Red Bull does with this. Naturally, they would prefer going to the younger talents. And I, I would do the same because you have Yuki Tsunoda, Yuri Vips, Jehan Daruwala waiting in the wings. But yeah, let's, see, let's see how they go about with that. And I think the last big observation that we can take back from this race, Kunal, is that the reliability was exceptionally poor today. It just reminded me of Formula One races back in the 80s where everyone just seems to have an engine problem. It, it did. And, you know, a, a bullet tank-proof uh, 
uh, reliability, reliable engine like Mercedes is sort of went down. And, yeah. uh, you know, we had a failure with Mercedes. We had a failure with uh, Renault. We had a failure with Honda. The only power unit manufacturer that didn't have a failure was Ferrari, which again, you know, stands out. I think a couple of races ago, we had a similar situation as well. And uh, Charles Leclerc, you know, qualifying P4, finishing P7, some great battles. Uh, you know, he. I think he did well in the last uh, stint to keep Nico Hulkenberg sort of uh, behind. And, uh, you know, it's a little unfortunate that given so many issues in a race, uh, Sebastian Vettel in the second Ferrari is just unable to pick up any points. Of course, he picked up one spin, which is pretty, uh, which is pretty uh, standard for Sebastian every couple of races. And I really hope that he's able to sort of shed this image the minute he moves to Aston Martin next year. There's a word for that. There's a word in the internet meme community or the internet Formula One community, call it what you want. It's holy, it's sacred, it's something that has been put up on a pedestal and I'd love to say it with a bit of drum roll. It is Spinala. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it, there's, there's some sort of a charm in that word that makes it feel very offensive. And no, on a genuine note, Sebastian Vettel is very sad to do, to see him in a situation like that. Again, Esteban Ocon also having problems uh, so he was not the only second driver of the team to have major issues. But uh, very, very quickly, Kunal, I think that's the last thing that we can discuss is why do we have such big gulfs in the team? Why do we have Max Verstappen just having a huge, huge gap to say someone like Alex Albon and Charles Leclerc having a huge gap with Sebastian Vettel, who is, as we know, a four-time world champion? What's it, is it something to do with the atmosphere of the team that, comes up into perspective is it just the car itself and normally that's one thing that people on whatsapp groups would love to say hey the car is rigged to favor one driver but no is it is it really that way i mean personally it's uh, something i would break down into several variables the first being obviously you know driver talent and driver attitude towards a lot of uh, approaches you know uh, two different personalities seeing the same problem differently, reacting to the same problem differently. You know, we've heard several times before, this driver needs a perfect car to deliver a perfect lap. And this driver can just take any car and, you know, deliver a, a near perfect lap. You know, those references that we've sort of all grown up to watching uh, Formula yeah. One, I'd say. And then, of course, you know, for a team, we're all humans. It's made out of humans, at least, you know, up until now, before sort of robots take over and run F1 teams, I'd say. <laughs> But it's natural for us to gravitate towards drivers who are sort of doing better, have a more affable personality, are driving the team forward. You see that they are making lesser excuses and, you know, giving their very best. And, you know, like we've said that 2020 Charles Leclerc has been far more impressive than, say, the 2019 Charles Leclerc. And that's why, you know, despite Ferrari being slow... Uh, we all feel really well each time, you know, Charles is able to deliver a performance and, you know, uh, performances like uh, what he gave this weekend uh, definitely stand out and will be sort of remembered in the time to come. Indeed, it's been something very interesting and there's a lot more of that to come, folks. There are many, many more races, so keep watching. And once again, Kunal, thank you so much for being a part of this one. It was a pleasure having you all watching and listening to this one, folks. If you liked it, you know what to do. Leave a like, share and subscribe to Pitch to Podium and also to the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. As always, folks, this was amazing. And finally, just before we go, Kunal, what do you expect for the next race? 
well my biggest expectation for the next race is you know going to be what happens to uh, p3 in 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 the race in the drivers championship and even in the constructors championship you know and i say this because uh, despite mercedes's dominance uh, p Two and P three have always sort of battled, and it's not mm. always been, uh, you know, a Hamilton, Bottas, Verstappen podium. Much as you know, one would <laughs> believe that's the easiest to predict. Likewise, for the drivers' championship, uh, could Verstappen, you know, take P two and relegate uh, Valtteri to P three in in the championship? And the most interesting, then, of course, being uh, P three in the constructors' championships. You know, we've seen McLaren, Renault, and Racing Point all literally a couple of points uh, here yeah. and there from each other uh, battling for P3. And let's remember P3 and, you know, it, the Constructors' Championship is is the business of Formula One. So the teams would be, you know, needing all they can yeah. to sort of keep ahead, make that much more money. And just, just a reference, so... You know, when the race was over and Checo Perez was told, great news, Checo, your P4. One of the first things he asked was, where did Nico finish? Because he knows just how important the fight in the Constructors' Championship is. And, you know, of course, this is despite the fact that he's going to be leaving the team at the end of the season. If you're a Formula 1 team watching, see, you, you know the Checo Perez is a team player as well. So get him on. What are you waiting for? He does not deserve to have no seat for 2021 I desperately hopes. I desperately hope. I beg your pardon that he gets one. But on the whole, folks, I'm sure that you're too excited for the next one as well. I think we've got Portimao next, right? We're going to Portugal for the first time in ages, so should be a fun one. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening, folks. And we shall see you in the midweek as we discuss the next Grand Prix. See you then, folks. Goodbye and good night. Thanks, Samuel, and see you guys. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.